Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is a technology that will change the way... Join Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the blockchain and my co-host, Michael Keane. For today's interview, we have Matt Kalish, president and co-founder of DraftKings, joining us today. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Uh, Andy and Michael are huge DraftKings fans. So yeah, this is just really exciting. And um, yeah, thank you for joining us. I'm a bigger I- Props and Drops fan. So this is a oh. really exciting. Yeah. day one listener. You know, it's uh, my day, my journey. Yeah, my journey with Gary V is well documented. Jennifer and I got to interview him at VCon and I have a FaceTime frog. And so I started listening to that right away. And Gotten to know you, so I'm really excited to have you on today. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, you know, I never thought I'd do podcasts at all, and then mm. really it was Gary was the reason why with props and drops that you know my first foray into doing anything like even content wise, you know, never thought in a million years I'd be making like mm-hmm. podcasts, videos, whatever. Um, right. But we just had all this stuff in common. Like um, we were collecting sports cards, and then got into NFTs and. Uh, it seemed like we were just always doing the same things at the same time and converting that into props and drops and making yeah. content about like, what are we doing? You know, that was like the first few episodes just kept building from there. Yeah, it's been great. Now you guys have put on an awesome show. I've told our listeners about it before and uh, really enjoy it. So it's a pleasure. Thank you. you know, we always got to find out how our guests got into the Web3 space, what were like, what was like the first NFT that you bought? You know, I didn't get into NFTs until probably March 2021. It was like right a little bit after NBA Top Shots, like kind of picking up a bunch of steam. You know, I noticed a lot of the people at DraftKings, you know, the the customers that were there 10 years ago that were like the first ever adopters of daily fantasy sports and, you know, people that had then moved on to do other things successfully as well, like starting companies and whatever. They were just getting into this NBA Top Shot stuff and like making content, opening packs on stream. And a couple, I saw like $100,000 Top Shot buys you know, Jonathan Bales comes to mind, Peter Jennings uh, being some of the people, you know, I'm like, okay, there's something going on in NFT land. I want to check this out more. And, you know, in parallel, I was chatting with Gary and he had mentioned a couple of projects to me, one being CryptoPunks. And so I checked out CryptoPunks. By the way, like this required me setting up all my crypto stuff too. I had no crypto, which like crazy, but I didn't. Very archaic of me to not even like have ever set up an Ethereum, you know, account and buy some some coins. So yeah, I think ETH was like 1700 bucks. CryptoPunk floor was 20 uh, ish, 15 to 20. So it was something like a 25K floor, CryptoPunk. And so I was looking at this thinking, you know, this is crazy. And then just like bought one, you know, I'm like too much social uh, pressure and evidence that people think this is smart. So I'm going to like buy one. So took a few days, funded my account. I think it was probably like March 10th or something. I bought my first CryptoPunk. And then I joined a Telegram group of CryptoPunk owners and started like watching and listening to what everybody was talking about. And that group grew from like 20 to 30 to 40. Today has like 80 people in it that own punks. And it became like a way that I was spending tons of my time. Like, um, you know, every break I had every night, I'm in there for hours, just like sponging up a bunch of stuff. And yeah, next thing I knew, it was like by the summer, June, July of 2021, I was like one of the most active crypto punk like traders. I was like buying, selling them every day. Um, there was very low action for a few months and then it got like very hot in August. So at that time, I think I had around 20, 20 crypto punks or so. And it just started going crazy. Like the market was booming and 
the wins from CryptoPunks really is what got me into other projects. I started like looking around for what else is out there uh, and broadening my horizons a bit. But I was like completely focused on punks for four or five months. How did you decide to get the the one that you're rocking right now as your Twitter PFP? Is that is that, was that like one of the ones you got early on? Did you recently get that one? It's cool with the top hat. Um, yeah, I've had that for over a year. It's one of my favorite. Um, I have a zombie, which is probably the most valuable, um, but not necessarily like my favorite. And then this one has the aesthetic that I like more. I'm more into, you know, everything I do in NFTs is not always about just like profit or something. I'm definitely looking for stuff that I like actually think is cool or like fits my aesthetic. So I've probably broken all of the cardinal rules of NFTs, like um, not just buying floors. I often will go like two, three, four plus X up. And not always to like the most premium either. I'll get stuck in like the the awkward middle of like, I think it's cool enough, but then I'm the only one. And so like, I'd say the top hat punk is a good example of that. It's just like one of my favorites. I saw it. I thought it had great aesthetic. Um, has some like cool stats, five attributes, rare in punks. Um, mm-hmm. But like a lot of the five attribute punks don't look nice either. They look like pretty ugly. So I thought, you know, I can get, <laughs> best of all worlds i'll just pick this one up so uh i think i got it for like 200 eth about a year a little over a year ago and like i don't really think i'll be parting ways with it at least not without like a big bag Uh, it would take a lot eth was like eth was like 4500 a year ago right it was pretty high oh yeah yeah it really ran up it was i think the highest i ever saw was like 45 yeah and that was like right about a year ago but that's all it's all good. Neither here nor there. I just uh Yeah, you know, I was kinda like buying one. it the whole time. Yeah. I bought it at like right, seventeen hundred, right. two thousand I think the most I ever paid for ETH was like thirty seven hundred at one point. Some mm-hmm. like dollar mm-hmm. cost average or whatever. And then like I got some on Father's Day this year for a thousand bucks. There was like nine hundred seventy. Uh and that was yeah. the best deal I ever got. So I don't know. You you can't time any of yeah. this stuff. So I think you just got to like leg in and like if you're generally trying to buy, I think splitting it into a bunch of different chunks and like not trying to pick the perfect time is a decent strategy. And yeah. same if you're like selling and trying to exit, like why pick a certain moment? You might as well just like leg it out so you don't have any regrets. I don't know. No one's good at timing the market, in my opinion. It's like a futile mm-hmm. task that you just can't do. Not easy. I do that too. Like just like dollar cost averaging in, you know, it's like, I don't have time to think about, oh, it's cheap right now. Let me buy. It's high right now. Let me sell. It's like, let me just periodically just, you know, consistently buy and, and you know, make it easy yeah. for myself. I did not know you had a zombie punk. How much did you pay for the zombie? The zombie I got like right before the boom, probably in July. It might have been June, but definitely not later than July. I paid 400 ETH. It was at the time like 980,000 US. Dang, you could probably sell that for a pretty penny. Nice yeah. one. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. No big Just deal. No big deal. Yeah. yeah, it was. Wow. That's a nice one. You know, once you get into the magic internet tokens, it doesn't even feel like you're spending money. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I was trading punks and doing well. Like I, I bought and sold dozens of crypto punks. And so like, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you make some trades, you end up with more, more ETH. Then it just feels like you're kind of, it does. It does money. feel like monopoly money. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a weird. It's a lot of monopoly money, but it feels like it. Yeah, it was kind of like that, and yeah, and then it really yeah. went. I mean, at one point, it was like crazy, crazy. I think the punk floor was like four hundred thousand dollars at one point, and so yeah, everybody's sitting on this magical like internet money that gained a bunch of value that you know they never really expected, and so I don't know. Behavior gets weird at that point when you have all this free money that you didn't like expect to have. Mm-hmm. 100%. It got pretty wild. It got pretty wild there. Yeah. And you ended up being a pretty, pretty solid degen uh, listening to props and drops, at least early on, you were buying and selling a lot of stuff, getting into a lot of projects. You still kind of do that or has it gotten a little bit slower with the yeah, money? Yeah. I have to be kind of like sensitive to this because at my job, it's actually like very important that I make good decisions with financial stuff right like i'm DraftKings has like giant marketing budgets we have lots of you know yeah. promo we have like headcount we're growing whatever all this stuff that's like investment in the company and so it's like really important to have credibility and like that people understand mm. that like oh i'm actually a really good analyst i actually do know how to like uh think about risk reward and model things out and whatever and 
that being said, like in my hobbies, I actually don't care that much about that. Like when I'm doing NFTs, when I'm collecting sports cards, like I don't necessarily care about return. I'm doing it for fun. So yeah. it's like yeah. if I'm enjoying it, if I like I do like earning money on stuff, but if if it doesn't work out, it doesn't necessarily bother me either. I'm totally fine mm-hmm. if if I buy something that goes down a lot, you know. And so I think that's like a yeah. and it's to the point of also being really irreverent about it. Like, I really just don't care. And so because of that, I think it causes like a certain view of maybe like what people think of me. So I have to be really careful about that. Um, Yeah, but what I would say is, yeah, I don't have a a strong sense of like worry about something not going well. I'm very comfortable losing like Mm. large sums of money on NFTs. And it's like I've also made large sums on certain trades. It's just like is what it is. And it's all just part of my like magic internet budget that doesn't count for anything other than fun. And I think it's a good way, whether you have like very little or a lot, like financially wise, I mean, whether you have like small budget or big budget or in the middle, it's like a good way of thinking about it in these spaces because they're so speculative, like things could really go awesome or not. And just having that carved off where you're not like reacting too strongly, like the the like emotional side doesn't kick you if you lose money on something. Like it's nice to have that carved off budget for that. Yeah, that's a really good point for everybody. And people have said it all along. Don't put anything in that you can't afford to lose. It's like a lot of things, you know. That's yeah. yeah. It's the same as any other. It's like yeah. when you're doing gambling sure. or something, you don't want to go in and like that's that should be a budget that you're comfy with. Yeah. Yeah. And trying not to be emotional is super hard. But it also is like, if you're trying to get attention, you do want to be super emotional, right? Like all the people in those Twitter spaces and everything, they're being very emotional. They're not being, you know, they're being irrational and everything. And that's like what gets people's attention because it's like, you know, it's kind of the extremes. But, you know, really, you don't want to be like that. You want to be the opposite. You want to be logical. You want to be calm. But of course, that's not exciting, you know. But yeah, I'm curious, how did DraftKings get into NFTs? So I know, you know, you've talking to Gary, you know, you... You you started growing a collection, CryptoPunks, flipping them. You know, when did you decide to kind of, okay, DraftKings is now going to, you know, dip into uh, NFTs? Fairly immediate. So there was always this thought that I've had in my head of people doing stuff like day trading stocks, speculating crypto, like buying sports cards or whatever. Like um, all of that is kind of like also the same customer that DraftKings have, just people that like predicting things or um, having something on the line and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't or whatever, but it's like um, that process of just like playing games or predicting things that aren't easily solved. And uh, what's cool about NFTs is that it's all digital and DraftKings is all digital. Like we have very little, uh, it's like 1% retail and 99% through our apps is our business. So it never really made that much sense for like DraftKings as a company to get to invested in something like physical sports cards or something, you know, whereas NFTs, it's like um, perfect. You know, everybody can transact in the same way that they're accustomed to, like through the apps. And there's a lot of benefits too. I think like the ability to just like very real time transact in a marketplace that has like many, many, many thousands of people, like the buy sell experience, I think is really like much nicer with digital assets than maybe something like traditional sports cards. And so I viewed it like a, a way to serve that customer and, and that need, but with a product that makes more sense for DraftKings, you know, and, and like why we would do it. And so how that's evolved was like we built up a bunch of Web3 tech. Uh, we entered a relationship with Polygon as a validator, built a bunch of um, kind of capabilities uh, from a blockchain standpoint. And then we also went around and did some deals like with um, with sports leagues and players associations so that we could create like IP driven NFTs. And so um, the biggest kind of angle in that we took, because we've done some collectible projects and things that are maybe like smaller scale, but the biggest bet uh, that DraftKings is making is really on the gameplay front and like the belief that most people are on DraftKings because they like playing games that are related to sports and predicting things and whatever. And so we created this game franchise called Rainmakers, which is really like an NFT-driven fantasy game uh, that has a ton of different mechanics that I think are really disruptive to like the type of experience that our customer wants. So that's in year one. Like we launched a few months ago for the start of the football season. And um 
very recently launched UFC, which is the second sport under Rainmakers. And that's really like our long-term investment that we're making around like gameplay uh, using NFTs in this kind of Web3 era. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I and you guys, I've seen you guys have, have also done a lot of partnerships with you know, like projects and and people like in this space, which I think is really smart. Uh, I'm actually, I'm curious how the Deadfellas collab came about because we had Betty on, uh, one of the co-founders of Deadfellas uh, quite a while ago. And yeah, they're really doing great, heads down building, you know, doing a lot of things for the community. And yeah, I'm, I'm also, I guess, curious on the selection process of, okay, how did you decide to partner with you know, dead fellas and, and, um, sub ducks. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. Subducks, yeah. yeah right. What was, yeah. What was that decision process like? And like the vetting process of these projects to collaborate with? We would, anybody who has like a real long-term commitment to project and like, um, like a solid team, solid, uh, community behind their project, we would collaborate with. And, you know, early on we did, week three of the football season, which was late September. I believe it was like 20 NFT projects. We bought like some of the content and did contests in Rainmakers to win. Uh, So it was everything from like Alien Friends, uh, Doodles. We gave away a punk. We gave away like a BAYC. We gave away like, geez, I can't remember, like a Crypto Dick Butts, which is like personal favorite. I think I have like 25 in the bag. It's like my number one, like I'm never, wow. never bearish on, on the culture of that. Like you name it. So like we had about 20, all of them were these projects that had like the CCO rights, you know, the commercial rights around promotion. Like it wouldn't make sense. Like we want to tell people what you can win in prizes and stuff, right? So like the CCO rights were really the criteria in that case. And so we just did the outreach where like somebody's winning these, you know, in our Rainmakers contest in week three. And so it was a combo of people coming on from those communities and then DraftKings users who maybe didn't have any exposure to those communities, checking them out. And so I think that's a good cross pollination, you know, of the two worlds. And then we did deeper partnerships with out of the gates with um, Gary and V friends. We did um, with Steve Aoki. We did a big program with him as well. And then later in the season, what you're referring to, we we launched some content that was like literally created by the artists of Deadfellas, where they zombified NFL players. Mm. You could open packs and you got, you know, all of them were really good. It was like, whatever, Kyler Murray or whatever, like really top, top quarterbacks and, and skill position players. And so we did that drop. Um, Ky- Kyler Murray's a uh, top yeah, tier A little sketchy, I guess, like this season but he'll get there he'll figure it out he'll figure it out yeah yeah Yeah, his i think 2022 is a little questionable yeah so that came up just through like course of business just trying to stay in touch with all the different big projects big communities uh there's a couple people in the company one named uh megan montgomery and beth berger they do a lot of work on our marketplace and web3 strategy and I believe it was like at an NFT event, like NFT NYC or something. They just ran into Betty and team, shared more about Rainmakers. And so one thing like kind of leads to another, you know. Yeah, that was one that came quickly. And then, yeah, similarly, we did a like PFP style drop that had utility in Rainmakers with Subducks. And they created like a new project called Sly Crocs, which is really cool. Like same aesthetic basically as Subducks, but has like utility for people on the platform. So like just a small sample of what's to come. Like we would do these all day. Like anybody who has a great project, anybody who's like long-term committed, like it's not going to go anywhere. Like we want to work with. So um look forward to the next one and the next one. Oh, that's kind of some alpha. Okay. Any projects listening that are here for the long haul? I guess reach out to Matt. Yeah, Matt's DMs <laughs> are open. DMs, everybody, yeah. everybody DM Matt constantly. <laughs> That is yeah. kind of like what happens anyway. So it's all good. Like you'll find yeah. if you do literally DM me, you'll get to the right place. <laughs> nice. Do you have people kind of like, yeah. like running your account or is it like just you, like just constantly checking things? No, I do. On on like Twitter and Instagram. I have like a, um, I definitely post, but I also, there's like eyeballs on it. So yeah. things you don't ha- get. You missed. have to, you have to have that. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michael, you got an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Andy. Andy. <laughs> wow. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, anything on my account, it's like a 50-50 chance if it was me or if it was not me. But you know. That's that's yeah. funny. That's awesome. I think more Usually if it's like a really that. shitty looking tweet about like the Celtics or something, it was probably me. And if it's like something that looks businessy, it was probably somebody that's more businessy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's how we'll know. That's how we'll Can know. I yep. Oh. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Michael. Yeah, I want to ask how uh, what went into you guys choosing Polygon. I always find it interesting. You know, it kind of seems like right now the consumer blockchain is really either Polygon or Flow seem like the two leaders. I wonder if you had any insight on what you guys like about Polygon. Yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, the the immediate appeal was sort of because some of these decisions were made over a year ago, right? So there was some immediate stuff mm-hmm. around like environmental or gas fee related benefits. Also yeah. just like the depth of the partnership that we have with like uh, Polygon, right? It was a, uh, not yeah. just we're using it and building tech, but like we're validators. We have a significant like um, business relationship. Mm-hmm. So the ability to go deeper and like make a longer term plan uh, around like a certain tech stack was important. And then the like initial vision, because our marketplace is custodial, like we keep the NFT content, we keep custody of it, and it's sort of more ledger based. So until yeah. or unless people remove things from the marketplace into like the Wild West, yeah, it's just sort of held in in custody of DraftKings. So it gave us a really good solution that met our like tech needs around the like sort of off chain aspect while still giving us the ability to like deliver the customer value prop of like, I want to take my assets off DraftKings and whatever, maybe like bridge them to Ethereum mainnet or something, right? Like all of that is possible. And I think if it was a blockchain, like a flow or something, like it doesn't have quite the same compatibility with the Ethereum mainnet and things like that. So we were just thinking a few steps ahead of like how to balance everything that we wanted to do and like what blockchains we wanted to be compatible with. I know the world's always changing too. And like, who knows what kind of like um, sort of solutions will pop up that are more agnostic to chain and like just give people like infinite leverage to do anything. Like one thing that I really like was with historical NFTs, there was this thing called like Emblem Vault. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's where the rare pepes are, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, really amazing invention because you can like throw assets from any blockchain into these vaults and then sell them. And uh, yeah, like that was the only way that ever I would have looked at some of these historical NFTs from like Namecoin or whatever. Like, um, and I ended up going kind of deep in that space, you know, like some of the like earliest, earliest projects, but you would never have access to that if you were just like Ethereum mainnet, no sense of like products that help you bridge the different uh uh blockchains so yeah i thought emblem vault was a cool example and who knows what will happen in the future but like at the time we thought that that gave us the best chance to be sort of compatible with ethereum mainnet yeah i think polygon's still in a really good spot i mean starbucks chose them i think they're on some kind of disney accelerator program so that's i think it's uh, definitely a good spot that low gas fees you know makes it easy to use for everybody you definitely couldn't do ethereum right i guess that was the the first thing, like what happens when gas goes to 100 and we're trying yeah. to transfer things around, right? You know, yeah. It's, right. Yeah, because we like when when in a world where we wanted to take fiat payments, because, you know, on DraftKings, people hold a balance of money in their account. Yep. And it's the same account yep. you use to play Rainmakers or do something in the marketplace. And so it was pretty important for like as a company for us to be able to take the like payments in fiat. And if it's a. Uh, you know, mass market product. There's millions of of users too, you know? So if it's a mass market product with hundreds of thousands of people that cost $20, gas fees just don't really work, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible for something like that. Yeah, and there's already enough things, you know, like enough enough hurdles. You don't need to also deal with the like onerous (laughs) gas fee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, we just like in the marketplace solution we built prioritized having no fees uh, on the yeah. like gas side. I like that. I, I uh, did a bunch of Rainmakers. Obviously, I learned about it. Props and Drops was ready for it right when you guys were starting because, you know, you guys talked about it a lot. Did that whole breakdown of it. Got You know, I didn't go nuts, but I bought some packs and got that Superstar pack and played some. And it's been a lot of fun. It's really 
unique and it's good. We've actually seen a couple come along. There's a basketball one out there. Like people are doing something similar. It's a really cool way to use NFTs. My only, I wonder uh, one thing I would like is maybe to be able to carry the players further years. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, f- I feel like I should probably get rid of mine before the end of the year. If there's not like somebody I love, you know what I mean? I don't know what you think. What I mean, obviously you want to keep it going, keep revenue building for consecutive years. But I feel like maybe if there were like, you could chase the rookies this year, there's no real reason to chase the rookies that aren't playing, I guess for them to be their rookie cards in the future. But any thought about that or what, like uh, it's always yeah. just going to be single year use. Yeah. So there's a bunch of factors there. And I think not really any right yeah. answer or wrong answer, but the model that we went after in year one was to fund a like very large amount of prizes in the year one contest. So like, over $30 million of cash in year one, like is being paid out and with no fee, right? It's just the NFT ownership is the, that's the expense people have. There's not like a fee to play in these contests. And so the um, like main decision is like, if they always worked, it would probably be like less in year one and more spread out, or it could just be like, heavy year one and every year you kind of opt back in and decide like, yeah, I'm going after it this year, heavier or whatever. Um, All of the cards in this season have future utility. So like there's going to always be contests that you can play, but I think in future years, there'll just be more um, like, like the amount that the company puts up will be meaningfully less and it'll be more like um, to win cards in the current season and things like that will be the utility uh, or playing friends for cash uh playing in public leagues for cash so there'll be like some morphing of the game uh from like a future year utility okay um a few other things too like there's burn mechanics that are introduced in year two where like you can burn past season cards for benefits in the current season um the other thing that i like always keep in mind here is that there's like a merging of a bunch of different worlds in this game and like one of those worlds is traditional collectors like sports card or tcg collectors and um in addition to like the fantasy game utility there's also just this world of people like i would consider myself one of these where um you're either like a set collector or you go super hard against like certain objectives on collecting and uh as that piece of the business grows and expands i think having like these annual set um like additions really like plays to a lot of like what a collector is looking for in like traditional sports card land you're like rookies and stuff like that if you just think about you know how that world works it's like rookies or or, like cohorts of players are um often collected by certain people mine is celtics like in sports card land i collect celtics i have you know giant (laughs) collections of like jalen brown uh robert williams is like my favorite favorite like Oh, the yeah. best Robert <laughs> nice. Williams collection for sure. No one would be anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, I have like, God, I don't know, some pretty good Tatum stuff. Like, I don't know, but only Celtics, right? And that's just how people think and and behave a lot. And so, I think like always having that um, that mindfulness about like how people like to collect these sort of things is helpful. Yeah. No, I get that. Those, I mean, those are really good points. Like, so. I wanted to play more. I got, I got some stuff and then, you know, I have three fantasy teams as it is and three kids mm-hmm. and it's like hard to get in there every week. But uh, I do really enjoy, like I enjoyed the ones I played. Um, I didn't go, I didn't go crazy buying like all the best players. I did get a Christian McCaffrey. I got lucky. There you go. And my quarterback was like Jameis Winston though. So I got kind of screwed on that one. I should have picked up Jalen hurts before the season. I'm a Philly guy. Oh yeah. I mean, if you had the crystal ball on that, that would have been nice. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the thing yeah. with the game is it's like there's five tiers of, you know, there's one tier up top that's like very scarce called Rainmaker. There's only eight of every athlete. Yeah. And so like Christian McCaffrey or something, there'd only be eight total lineups that could have him any given week. Right? Cause that's all that mm-hmm. exists. Uh, and then as you go down, though, it becomes more mainstream you know like more accessible so really tried to build the game where like you could play for free if you want to play like at the lowest tier with a really competitive lineup it's you know well under a hundred dollars probably like 50 ish dollars to play like one of the best lineups at core which is the lowest tier and then as you go up it's kind of like factors of four to five x so it would be like you know maybe two hundred dollars uh 
uh, maybe a, a yeah. little more at the start of the season to build a really good rare lineup. And, you know, you just kind of go from there. Uh, so I think it gives people like a lot of choices. You know, you can decide like what your budget is. You can decide what tier you want to play on based on mm-hmm. that. But also if you want to play just one lineup or if you like putting in maybe like 10 different teams, you know, like with the same budget, you could play like higher tier one lineup or you could play like a bunch of lineups yeah. at a lower tier. Um, and so a lot of that stuff, I think, is uh, we just wanted to give a lot of layers to the game, let people like decide how they want to play and try to build a system that's compatible with all of the ways people want to play. What's the uh, highest individual sale you guys have had out of curiosity? Um, 30K. So I think, um, well, the highest pack was 30K. The highest sale I can remember off the top of my head was 25000 for like a Cooper Cup. Rainmaker, Genesis okay. set, one of one, or it may have been the field mm-hmm. pass set. So yeah, twenty five k was the highest that I'm like immediately familiar with. I might be missing something. So yeah, call me out if I'm missing. Uh, do you play? Do you play? Do you have like a stacked team? Unable. Or does it so look? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in regulated gaming yeah of course of course like nobody in the company plays fantasy like uh we don't use our own platform basically in the company so if it's something Mm -hmm. that we uh offer in fantasy or sportsbook or whatever uh or the marketplace like we have company rules so i just get like an error message that says like bad you're not allowed to buy stuff love it yeah that really came from it's like a consumer trust sort of thing where people um at the scale of company, like they want to know that people in the company are like working on the product for their benefit. And, you know, you see these stories like the thing at, um, was it uh, OpenSea where the guy with the merchandising zones was like put up a project after he bought it or something. Like you yeah. just don't want to deal with any of this, this stuff, right? Even if it's just bad optics, mm. we don't ever want to deal with that. Like uh, the risk yeah. of people thinking that like people are, you right, you go and win the board ape or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. so it's un- yeah. it's unfortunate because I would certainly love to like the stuff I buy. If you look through my wallet, isn't like mm-hmm. laden with crazy utility or anything. It's like art stuff or whatever, uh, PFP projects. Yeah, I'd love to get deeper in a game that's maybe like a little closer to my interests, and maybe that will happen one day. But for now, we're the ones building it. So like, what can you do? I guess that's the next best thing yeah. is like spending my time building it. Yeah, that's probably that's probably better. It's probably better yeah. anyway. I like it. How many people yeah, do you guys thing. have uh, working at DraftKings? The total company is around four thousand, and then wow. the um, the way that that's split up is because we have really big teams on things like customer experience, like the customer support. Really big teams on. Um, Stuff like sports betting, where we're creating thousands and thousands of betting markets for every game. And so everything from like the modeling, the trading, bet acceptance, like all that's huge. And then, yeah, yeah, it's just like the span of products we have over the years have grown. And that's resulted in us like building our team. We have over a thousand engineers, like really, uh, I don't know, it's like a tech company with like an operations arm, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, and you've been, I mean, DraftKings, you co-founded it in 2012. So it's been literally a decade, which is insane. Um, I mean, you know, barely, and I don't know what percent of businesses make it, you know, to, to one year, let alone 10. But I'm curious, what's one of the hardest things about being the president of, of DraftKings? You know, we've had all things considered a really great run. Things have like gone our way often enough. We've like definitely had our fair share of things that didn't feel so great, but like, you know, we're all things considered. I think we had a pretty blessed, lucky road the last 10 years and like we're in the right place at the right time a lot. And, you know, uh, I hope also get credit for like good decisions on what sort of like products we've entered, like um, choosing to go after sports betting in the US, for example. And now with the Web3 investments, I think hopefully that will all like history will look great you know but i would say it's like combo of like scale going from very small team to like thousands of employees it's extremely taxing many people but in particular like our managers um and our senior leaders like very challenging to just like onboard bring on uh like so many people 
keep a functioning organization, keep the culture of the organization, like the way that we envision it. You know, all that's very tough. And, you know, we're really proud that we've never had like anything like workforce reduction or anything like that. Like we've, we've really focused on like scale, but do it the right way, like sustainable, thoughtful. So I'd say that's like the biggest thing, just like taking that responsibility really seriously to not like get out of control with, with scaling the company and still achieve really great things. Then the other thing I'd say is like competition and and just like constant, you know, like the need when we're in multiple products to like constantly be evaluating, like, you know, how is everyone doing? What are like differentiators? What are we doing that stands out? Um, What sort of things do you see around the corner coming that we want to invest in? You know, for example, like the Web3 investments in part come from like, yeah, I'm looking around the corner and I could see more people, you know, spending their time in different ways than they did in 2019 or 2018, you know, into the future. So like you have to start laying those foundations. So I'd say it's just like those sort of decisions can have high stakes and can be tough. Like you got to use good judgment and like there's not always a perfect right answer. So I'd say those are some of the tougher things. And what makes it easy is like we have always had an extremely like high talent bar and a lot of success uh, attracting talent that's like very, very like A plus top tier. And so I have like the best team. I feel like my direct reports are all just absolute like heavy hitters. Total like if I got hit by a bus, everything would be fine. You know, so like that's that's like what's awesome about DraftKings. And I feel like all of my peers, like all of our executives would say the same thing, like amazing people. Uh, and if I got hit by a bus, it'd be fine. You know? Oh my gosh, uh, please don't manifest that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that's great. Yeah. Having, having systems in place and like people that are okay, yeah. you know, you, you can remove yourself and the company doesn't fall apart. Like that's, yeah. Um, that's huge. Wow. I did not know you guys had 4,000 people. I mean, across everything, right? Like there's, a lot of different components to DraftKings and yeah. Are you going to any NFT events coming up? Um, do you ever go to NFT events? I do. Um, I think the next one, I don't know if you would consider this an NFT event, but I'm going to the um, Art Basel events. That yes. a bunch of different Everyone's, are going, putting everyone's going to that. Yes. Yeah. Miami yeah, we'll be down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that, especially because up in Boston, it gets cold. So it's like right around when, you're starting to look to go south and yeah, it'll be perfect. Love Miami. Definitely. We'll be checking out. Um, I don't know if you have any recommendations, let me know, but like some of the V friend stuff, uh, world of women have something that I'm uh, checking out yep. and then not sure everything yet, but doodles. you got to go to the doodles event. They're doing like a doodle putt. It's like a two day experience. They always oh, like, love- Oh my gosh. I don't know if you've been to, have you been to any other doodles events? So I haven't, but I've always okay. like they blow it out of her. Yeah. yeah, you have to go. Like they always go above and beyond, and just like it's like wow, like how did they think of all this? And they definitely put a lot of uh, money behind it, but they're just like they just do such a great job with their events. Yeah, I'm excited to see what I'm going to the World of Women one too. The gala that should be yeah. that should be cool. I gotta figure out. You know, you always got a last minute like, okay, what are all the events? You know, I'm going to. And then they all start popping up the last minute too. There's like a million yeah. things pop up. Yep. The V friends you mentioned, there's one particularly for um, what is it? Not FaceTime, whatever they call it, utility, not utility holders, but whatever this the special where you get the the FaceTimes and the group calls with Gary. There's like a special dinner for that. Hopefully, I don't know if you'll show up to that one. There's like 300 tokens. Yeah, yeah. I'll it. be checking that out for sure. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. that'll be a good one. Nice. And but yeah. you're right. There's always so many things to go to. I went to Miami last year, yeah. and it was like when everybody got COVID in Miami. So I look forward to not getting COVID. Hopefully, yep. yeah. It's just, good luck it's in the price Miami. You pay. Yeah. It's the price you pay. I just remember mm-hmm. thinking COVID's over, and then after the Miami NFT event, then it was like, no, it's not. Everybody, everybody got yeah. COVID. The same thing keeps happening. It happened to NYC <laughs> as well. Like everyone gets together from all over the world. Like no kidding, and yeah. we're all in like these little tight. Yeah. I was just at NFT London just a few days ago. Now I'm in Madrid tonight. There we go. There's always another city yeah. and another NFT event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. 
Love that. It's, London London was a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything stand out? Like what um what was like impactful? Now, you know, for me, just the people I got to hang out with, I got to hang out with a lot of friends I made that live over in Europe that I've never met before. The conferences, honestly, to me, are basically advertisements. The people that apply to speak for the most part are trying to sell something. All the booths are it's it's not stuff you, you're really that into. Like, you know, you go around and they all got the buzzwords, metaverse game and this and that. And it's just, I don't know. It just kind of seems run of the mill to me. But I got to hang out with some amazing people. My buddy Q, I met for the first time. And, um, you know, Neo Sporn from the one of my buddies from NFT Catcher in the Discord, hung out with him all day. And, and my buddy F. And we just, I just went to a lot of parties, went to the Nifty Alpha party. Um, went to uh, OSF's wrecked guy, which was crazy at this place called The Box. It was a whole, it was like a whole a scene. London's pretty wild. Like they did in, uh... uh, yeah, yeah, it was. There were, I don't know, it it said what happens at the wrecked guy yeah, party stays at the wrecked guy party. There, so. right? Yeah, right, right. I guess not. Yeah, but uh, I, that was my first time in London. It's a pretty happening place. London was popping off. It was good. And Madrid is my third time here. I love it. I love it in Madrid. I'm right on Plaza Mayor right now. I was actually supposed to go to a Real Madrid game tonight, but this was more hey. I'm very dedicated. I know. And they were losing one nothing last I looked. So it could have been a huge upset, but that's neither here nor oh, there. Oh, goodness. I just started watching that show, the um, yeah. the Wrexham show with, was it Ryan Reynolds and somebody else bought the team, I guess. And it's like. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I haven't I haven't seen it, but I know. What you're yeah, the show's about. pretty cool. Got me. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little more interested, I would say, in soccer, but like it's never really been my my mm. interest. I'm like all in on. Oops. Same here. Then, yeah, same yeah. here. Like I literally only I have season tickets to the Celtics. I go every game. Nothing else is like on my ra- UFC. I like going yeah. to UFC. Like soccer never made the cut, and then like the Wrexham show kind of like put it on my radar a bit. It seems cool. Like I want to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a good, I mean it's a good vibe, good scene, you know. We're I'm the same way. I'm I'm a Philly guy. I know you're a Boston guy here. I know you have courtside season tickets right by like the away team. I like how you say you think you like uh you can affect the game a little bit with some of your comments. You do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. No, I say half because <laughs> it's like a half point. Okay. Yeah, it's about a half point because it's like net three points home field or home court. Right, and, right. Are you a half on top of that? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I might be incremental to that. Like, it's because I'm pretty annoying. <laughs> you're a good heck. You're a good heckler. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I know. I hear you. I used to do the yeah. same thing. I'm I'm a big Sixers fan, just the same way. And I every time the Sixers play in Miami, I go down. I live near Miami, and uh, always I was a ticket burger, so I always used to get seats right behind the Sixers bench. And I felt like if I was letting them know, play a little defense, boys. You know, like uh, yeah, it would help, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's always a fine line. So I'm not yeah. trying to catch any of that smoke yeah. either. I don't want problems. So I'm, I'm much, yeah, you have to be sure. real strategic with how you annoy people. So you don't get yourself on the mm-hmm. wrong side of someone. You don't get Draymond Green, Jordan Poole in you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never, yeah. I'm like pretty nice. I've never been thrown out of a game for sure. Not even close. Mm-hmm. And that no, being said, good. though, that's I do good. find myself to be quite annoying. Yeah. If Gary gets down there with you, he probably gets pretty loud. He probably doesn't care, does he? Yeah, Gary, I don't think cares. He's like, what <laughs> What does he say? It's like sports hate or something. He doesn't consider it to be like hate if it's sports related. Right, so right. anything that you say is like fair game in sports. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Where, where Did you happen to be at Super Bowl 52, Eagles-Patriots? No, no, not Eagles-Patriots. I went to... The only one I went to is Atlanta when they came back 28-3. Oh, wow. That's like, a good one to go lucky. to. That's a good one to go to. Yeah. 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 That was my only Patriots Super Bowl. And then okay. yeah, I went to one other. What was it? it yeah, I was – I only mentioned 52 because I was there. I wanted to uh, one-up you. Yeah, I'm an Eagles fan, obviously. We beat you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean – I would trade spots right now. Eagles look great. Was that Ooh, yeah, yeah, the World yeah, Series? Yeah, that was a heartbreaking loss. The games were on at, at midnight and one a.m. every night. I was up till four and five a.m. watching these games mm. last week. Yeah, it was wild. What a run though! It was a great run, but a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, yeah, it's good though. Not a bad time to be like Philadelphia sports fan 
Sixers nah, are like sure. kind of in the for mix. Sure. I mean, we'll see what happens. Sixers, well, Sixers are in trouble right now. Harden's out for a month, and Bede's been out for like a week. Yeah. Sixers are they're not looking they're not looking good. You guys have our number big time. You guys are really good. I mean, Tatum's incredible. You know. Yeah. You know that. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think <laughs> the Celtics should win. Or at least like they'll be down there right at the end. Yeah. Now they're going. They're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. That's no doubt. Crazy about the coach. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, the new the new coach is awesome. Jennifer probably doesn't know that story. Missoula's awesome. Yeah. I like maybe not. Okay. I, I think all the data people they noticed this thing, which was like our shot selection. I don't know if you're like a big math sports person. I'm not. But yeah. I got sent this chart that was like the Celtics shot selection is much better this year. Um from this guy Heralibus Fulgaris, who's like a famous NBA sports better guy. And he was working on the okay. Mavericks for a while on like their data. It was almost like Moneyball, but basketball. And he was like the data mm-hmm. brain person. And so anyway, he's like, their shot selection is like X better. And so I mentioned that to Missoula because I saw him like two days ago randomly at this dinner. And mm-hmm. I was like, congrats on the job, man. You guys shot selections look better this year. And he just like lights up. He's like, that's what I've been working on with the team. Like. <laughs> you, know, you look at the shot chart and it's like every single shot yeah. is like a three right on the line or a dunk there's no like long right. bullshit nothing it's like real real yeah. disciplined so anyway i think yeah they're they're really getting tight on the strategy and they have good players so we'll see yeah really good players yeah, you guys are good man tatum's tough i don't like tatum i'm a sixers fan but we're uh he, he's he's pretty awesome yeah well, we'll see. I'm sure that it'll be a fight in the end. Mm-hmm. Always. All right. Well, um, as we wrap this interview up, coming to a close here, Michael, do you have any last minute questions? Yeah, I want to know what do you see? What do you see as like the future of the NFT space? If you had like, what do you think it's going to look like? A few years, five years, a consumer products. Like, what's going to be popular? What's it? What's it going to look like? What are your predictions? I think there's like some aspects that we, because if you've been listening to the props and drops pod, we talk about that a lot. And like yep. a while back, we were talking a lot about how, you know, NFT winter would come, everything would get smoked at some point, aside yep. from like top 1%. And in general, I believe that. And my like mindset is that if you think about all the art that gets created in the world that's physical, like how much actually sells for more than one cent ever it's probably Mm -hmm. very close to like oh under one percent probably right so Mm -hmm. like how much digital art deserves to be like bought for money it's probably like long term you know limited to just really quality right so i think that's probably uh like one aspect just market composition moving towards like fine i guess you'd say like the equivalent of like fine art digital art that's like very upmarket and coveted and like historical projects that are very coveted and then most things that just aren't and then like over time as like really quality projects get created then they'll you know have demand but i don't think it'll be like everything is worth more than zero and definitely think like the um as more companies have time to build like we've spent a year plus but it's not like that much time as more companies and more like operators have time to actually build technology build towards like long-term goals I know many probably like deprioritize this during bear market stuff, but like smart companies, I don't think do that. So they're building towards the idea of like, there's a cycle and 20, like 25 will be awesome. So yeah, I'm like very interested in what type of like advancements can be made in on, on like the tech and utility side with the benefit of like multiple years to develop technology. Cause a lot of people, I think we're looking for, quick immediate like cash no using, way like, no yeah, way. using like the capabilities that exist now which were basically just like right. dropping in it like minting and dropping nfts right like that was like what people could do yeah and i just know because we're building tech right so it's it's hard to build good tech that like has lots of features and does stuff so it's like if you want to build a cool game it takes a year if you want to build you know layers on top of that of like gamification and this and that and all of this sort of advancement and great user experiences it's like it takes years so yeah my guess would be like handful of really amazing 
technology uh, uh, like stacks are being built right now and things that will turn into like really sick projects. Yeah, like I always thought metaverse was weird, like the concept around like this digital like manifestation of because I used to play this game World of Warcraft when I was like in college or right after college. And I like loved World of Warcraft and I thought that that was cool. Like you can build an avatar and like improve it and whatever. And so, like, that's cool. And my daughter plays a shit ton of Roblox and, like, always meets her friends on there. And so I get the appeal of that. But, like, to me, it all seems like um, games. I, th- I feel like people really just want to be on the Internet to play games. It's not like a replacement for mm-hmm. your actual life. So I'm, like, viewing Metaverse as sort of like games or, like, um, like more limited experiences. And... So other than that, I don't know. I'm like not trying to predict anything too much into the future and like more just try to like pay attention and as things become more clear, be like in the know and be quick, you know? Yeah, even just being here like during the bear market like and just observing, you know, is huge. I think people kind of think like, oh, I need to be doing something buying or building or whatever. But even just observing, like, you know, you'll... Can see opportunities and jump on them when they come up if, if you're just here watching. But yeah, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this was great. Yeah, it was it was nice to be able to chat with you, and I enjoyed hearing you and Michael talk about NFL. Even though I'm just like I don't know what you're talking about, but you know you got some excited. So I could I could have talked the whole time about sports. I was definitely really excited to have you on, Matt. I know we wanted to talk rainmakers and NFTs and everything, but I love your passion for sports i'm the same way in philly hopefully our paths cross in miami right on hey well thank you so much for having me really appreciate it all right well with that said thank you all so much for tuning into this episode and we'll catch you in the next one peace thank you for tuning in to the nft catcher podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of nfts If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Loose. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.